Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. Beautiful, wonderful. I just I love our church. You can go ahead and, and head off the platform right now. Well, I'm anxious to... <laughs> I'm anxious to get started to, uh, to, to, with my message right now. I'm going to ask you, sir, if you will, sir, if you'll take my microphone and if you'll bring me my iPad from over there, we can get started. But before, before we jump into the, to the message today, uh, first of all, I want to thank you guys for your, uh, just for your continued uh, giving and everything. I know Jake already mentioned some of that, and, and we, we have, uh, we've taken down the big old black curtain that was over there for the longest time, and we have some some fake blinds for, for a while because the blinds that we have coming for our building, they're on order and it's taken them a while to get here and as if we need the curtain down. So, so we have the fake ones up. They really look really ugly, don't they? They, they look really ugly, so it's, but that's a, that's a fun thing. We like that. That's just fine for right now. It doesn't matter because they look better than the, than the giant curtains anyway, right? But, uh, but, but one of the things I'm going to ask you to do, first of all, go ahead and get your Bibles and open them up to Luke chapter 1. Uh, Luke one twenty six. But while you're finding that in your Bibles and e-community, I, I want you to take your Bible out at home because I need you to follow along with today's message. Several things I want to point out to you. But before I jump into the message, I want to, I want to pray again over this election. I think it is critical that the church simply be praying. And, uh, and I am watching this through through the, you know, that the, there are six states, there are six states, and this has never happened in my lifetime, but six states right now that have lawsuits, that have a lot of questions, uh, supposedly hundreds of thousands of votes of double voting and people who are dead and voted and things like that, and, and these are, these are, this is signed off on sworn affidavits, and so we need to pray that, that whatever is false will come to the light and will be dealt with, and whatever is truth will come forward, because we, we really need to pray for this for our nation. Uh, a lot of people are asking, how do we pray? You know, we need to pray specifically, just specifically, truth come to the surface. Anything that's not true will also come to the surface so that this, this election can be dealt with properly and appropriately. So, uh, because we, we just, we want that to happen, don't we? We, we do, we want that to happen. So I'm going to lead you in prayer for that, but I also feel a word from God on this today is that we should also continue just to worship God in the middle of this season. We need just to worship. I believe our worship and praise to God in this season breaks strongholds and, and opens up doors. So, so I want us to pray for that right now. Will you pray with me? Come on, we pray. God, I just lift up to you this election. I pray for the United States of America. And God, I, we all know that these, these six states that are contested uh, results, and I pray that, that whatever is there, that, that the truth will come to the surface so that this will be dealt with appropriately, so that every, every vote situation will be sorted out, God, and I pray for a smooth transition into the future, and Lord, we also just praise you and worship you in the middle of it, God, because we thank you that you are Lord, you are God, you are the King of kings, God, you are above all, and you're the one that we worship worship. We don't worship man. We don't worship politics. We don't worship politicians. God, we worship you. And so we put your name first in every way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today, my message title is Words That Release Miracles. 
words that release miracles. A few weeks ago, I gave a couple of messages around the end of October, 1st of November, on this theme of words. Last Sunday, I resumed it with a message about words, and this is really the final message in this series on the power of words. If, if, you, if you get anything, you need to get what I'm sharing today, because this I, I have been praying for revelation for every person who's hearing me. As you're watching at home, you are going to receive revelation from God, I believe, regarding specifics in your life. You see, because what God is saying is God is saying, I have plans for you. I got plans for you. And his words, what he is saying, combined with our words, release the miracles. That's actually how it happens. His words combined with our words release the miracles. I believe there's a huge challenge in the church today, and and part of what I'm sharing today addresses this challenge. And that challenge is this. It is to know the Word of God, to have knowledge of the Scriptures. I, I want you, we need to, more than ever before, to possess a knowledge of the Scriptures, but also to possess the power of God. Both go hand in hand. I do not believe that we just possess the power of God without the knowledge of the scriptures or knowledge of the scriptures without the power of God. We need both. And today I'm praying that there will be revelation for you on that and that's my challenge. You see, the scriptures tell us, he says, my people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. See, that word destroyed, as I was looking at that, that jumped out at me and reminded me of what the scriptures say in John 10.10, that the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So as I look at this, it's, it's essentially clear to me that when we're not growing in a knowledge of the word of God, we inadvertently open ourselves up to the devil, clear and simple. That is one of the biggest challenges we have in this season. We must be hearers of the word, doers of the word, receiving the word, and in the word. So the question is that we need to be asking ourselves always, always, what does God's word say? And then how do we take God's word, use it, and apply it to our lives? And and I believe this is that if we're not in a pursuit of what God's word is, how it applies to our lives, that we open ourselves up to destruction, just like that scripture said. So this is a serious issue. See, when, when we begin to know the word of God and then apply the word of God, the opposite happens. We open ourselves up for miracles through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I'm talking about today. Now, In the New Testament, right after Peter had confessed in front of the other disciples and to Jesus himself, he used the power of his words to declare, he was the first one to declare that Jesus is the son of the living God. Something was released in the spirit realm. God's power was actually given to him. And Jesus looked at him when he declared, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah, you are the son of the living God. Jesus looked at him, and in Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, Jesus said these words. Okay, so there was a release from Peter, and the release from Jesus, and something happened in the spirit realm. Look, he says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth, that means whatever you bind in the natural realm, whatever comes out of your mouth in the natural realm, will be bound in heaven 
in, which is the spirit realm. Whatever you loose on earth, through your words, will be loosed in heaven. So our words are powerful. And again, our challenge is to take this truth, understand it, and let it become revelation to us and make it functional in our lives. Now, I've shared with you this already. The battleground of the enemy is in our minds. Satan puts thoughts in your mind and in my mind. That happens. But when we follow them up with words that, that are in agreement with what Satan puts into our, our mind, those words come out of our mouth and we begin to say things that are against the will of God. We even have the ability to speak word curses over ourselves. Last week, we talked about this angelic visitation. The angel Gabriel came and supernaturally stopped Zechariah, who was the father of John the Baptist, from aborting God's plans with his words. Now, today, we're going to take a look at Mary. This is, the, this is actually the story that goes right in tandem with the other. Luke chapter 1, verse 26, we're going to see the angelic visitation to Mary. Take a look at this. Luke 1, 26, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, that was Zechariah's wife, the mother of John the Baptist, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. I'll say that again. I want you to get this. The angel says, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And in fact, I believe this is a prophetic word for us right now, right here. God is calling out a remnant in his church. And whether you're watching online or you're here in this room, God has called out and is calling out a remnant of his church who's going to be passionate about the things of God, in the word of God, serving God with all their hearts, worshipers like never before, praying and expecting miracles, and doing the works of God in this earth and who are not falling asleep during this season. And God is calling out the remnant and God is saying to you, you who are highly favored of the Lord, the Lord is with you. Now it says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words. <laughs> Can you imagine again, an angel appears to you and starts talking to you. I would be a little freaked out and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great. Okay, see, he's, he's speaking over her. Catch these, these words. He's speaking over her, saying things that are going to happen. Now, then he's also speaking over the child. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. That's still future tense, see? The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Keep in mind, keep in mind, the kingdom that never ends is God's kingdom, all right, under the banner of Jesus Christ. Okay, look at this next verse. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm still a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Still, it's all future tense. It will be. Something's getting ready to happen. You see this? There is a promise. It's in the future. How far in the future? Let's keep reading. 
Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. Now, that's a past tense. Six months ago, something happened with her. And then the angel said this, and these, this, is a, this is a key line right here. For no word from God will ever fail. Come on, say that. Get that in your hearts. Write it down. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be, present tense, fulfilled. Something happened at that moment, and then the angel left her. May it be. All of the future tense becomes present tense. It says, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. When she entered Zechariah's home, she greeted Elizabeth. Now remember, this is the six-month pregnant mother of John the Baptist. John the Baptist and Jesus end up being second cousins. Some of you didn't know that. But why, and it says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greetings, the baby, which had been John in Elizabeth's womb, leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth is now filled with the Holy Spirit. And so Elizabeth begins to prophesy. Full of the Holy Spirit, she prophesies. And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And then she says, blessed is she who has believed, past tense, that the Lord would fulfill, past tense, his promises to her. Okay? That means something has already happened with Mary. She's prophesying. This is all coming from the voice. This is God. God's prophesying through her, full of the Holy Spirit. And then, as we keep reading, Mary bursts into worship. I mean, this would have been an incredible scene. And this, this little part in the, in the Bible, sometimes it's marked as Mary's song, but it's, it, it comes out in poetic verse. This would have been a song. So this would have been a song of worship bubbling out of her heart. Listen to these words. Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. And from now on, generations will call me blessed. And we still do. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. In other words, God lifts up the humble. God exalts the humble. Like, and she was a very humble, probably about 14-year-old servant girl. She had no education, nothing to look forward to in life except being working in the lowest caste of the society at that time in a very depressed area, which was the area of Galilee. But she's declaring that God looks for the lowly people. He doesn't care your he doesn't care about your socioeconomic level. God is looking at your heart and he wants to lift you up. 
That's what God is, is not, that's actually that's what God is doing in this generation right now in this season. And it says Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. I've always kind of wondered about that. Why did she stay three months? Because after about three months, you start to show. Okay, well, last week again, we talked about Zechariah. Um, who heard the word of God coming through the angel Gabriel. Today, we're talking about Mary also hearing the word that comes through the angel Gabriel. Two people visited by the same angel, and I want to give a little bit of a contrast here because there were two completely, totally different responses from Gabriel. And he was reacting to to, uh, two very different questions that came from those who heard the word of God. Now take a look at what Zechariah said. We learned this last week. He said, well, how can I be sure of this? But Mary said, how will this be? Very different terminology. Now I know they, they both asked how questions. Asking a how question to God is not a problem. These are similar words, but when you examine them closely, Mary says, how will this be? She is speaking, will be, will be. She's not saying it won't be. She says, this will be. I'd like to know how it's going to happen. That's actually what she's saying there. Zechariah was saying, I need more evidence. How can I be sure? Come on, I, need, I don't even know. He's not saying this will happen, nothing. See, Mary accepted the words of God, the words that came through the angel, and asks how it's going to happen. She didn't doubt And I believe it was because at that very moment, the creative word of God was made flesh in her womb. There was a release of the miracles we're going to see today. See, Zechariah, he doubted the word from Gabriel, asking for more evidence. And so this caused Gabriel then to strike Zechariah mute so he couldn't say anything and abort the plans of God. And, and, uh, and so it was the grace of God that was going towards Zechariah to stop words of doubt. But, but Gabriel said something very unique to Mary. He said, no word from God will ever fail in verse 37. That's something you, again, write it down, get it in your hearts today because the, there, there's, a, there's another way that this, this scripture is translated, nothing is impossible with God. Have you ever heard that before? That's, that's, this is the same scripture. This, is, this needs to be one of your favorite scriptures in the Bible right here. Nothing is impossible with God. No word from God shall ever fail. Nothing is impossible. I, I, several years ago, I worked on a church staff, and there was this, there was this lady who was a, she was, a, she was a prophetess, and she was a woman of God. She served on our church staff. My goodness, I was probably 21 or 22 working at this church. I was the youngest guy, and, and I was still trying to learn my way around. And, 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 and one day, she came into the, uh, the, the staff meeting, and she encouraged everyone to bring a dictionary and an exacto knife. And uh, even though it's dark, that's okay. We still, it it's, doesn't matter. We're still going, okay? And there came a light. And then, yeah, we like Christmas lights, right? So the... Uh, bring a little exacto knife and bring your dictionary. That's actually back when we used to have these real dictionaries, you know, paper dictionaries. Any of you guys remember those days? You had a paper dictionary? Yeah, so cool. I had like three of them. I don't even know where one. I actually, I do have one, an old Webster's dictionary. But we were to take an exacto knife and cut the word impossible out of the dictionary. It was an object lesson for us. 
And at first I thought, I don't want to mess up my dictionary, but like, why do I want that word in there anyway? And she said, the impossible does not exist. And she made every single one of us on the church staff a little, a little plaque, and I sat on my desk for years and years, and it says, the impossible does not exist. No word from God will ever fail. I love that. Now, I want to tell you what this means. This literally means this, is that no rhema word from God is without dynamic. Now, that is actually a, th- that's actually a literal translation. I'll explain this to you for a second. That word rhema, that's not an English word. I know some people, they use that, use that as a name, and that's great. But rhema is actually a Greek term that is translated word, W-O-R-D, in the English language and is found throughout the New Testament. So I put it together, rhema word, because that tells you what type of word. Uh, but, but it basically says no rhema from God is without dynamic. That means something that's dynamic is alive. Now, when you convert this scripture into the positive, it says this, every prophetic word from God has living power. I'll say it again. Every prophetic word from God has living power power, which takes me back to my original statement today. My challenge to you is to possess a knowledge of the scriptures and to possess the power of God. Both go together. There is a connection between the rhema word of God and the power of God. Now, now the term word is found about 191 times in the New Testament. And again, there are two Greek terms that are translated into our one English term word. We, our English language is much, much, you know, it's, it's very inefficient sometimes. But rhema is the spoken word, and it's used about 26 times in the New Testament. The other one is logos, logos, L-O-G-O-S, and that is the written word, and that's found about 165, not about, it's found 165 times in the New Testament. And, and in fact, even in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, which was used during Jesus' time, the word logos, uh, it, it dominated the historical books. But when you get over to the prophetic books, the word rhema dominates the prophetic books. So it's, you can see the contrast even in the Greek translation, the ancient Greek translation of the Old Testament. So here's what this means. Prophetic power is released into your life when you encounter God's rhema word, just like it did for Mary. That's wh- okay, now th- that's why it's important to study the written word, which is the logos. You need to study the written word, read it, but we also sing it, and we're a hearer of the word, and we speak the word. But when we speak what's there, the logos word becomes rhema. It does when we speak it out. Now, I want you to remember this. The Bible, except for one author, was written by Jews. So a lot of times when I have questions about things of that nature, I will, I will you know, you can talk to scholars and things like that, and, and I'm, I'm all into that, but I like to talk to Jews who were raised in Jewish culture and who, uh, who understand the Hebrew language and understand the roots of all this. So the Bible was written primarily to Jews by Jews, and so we need to sometimes kind of jump over to Jewish thought. How do Jews translate this? And and what I have been told over and over is that they, they believe this, and for some reason this is not in American culture, but we need to get it into the church culture, but it's this, is that when something is spoken, it becomes rhema, 
then whatever is spoken, even you speak a word, it is perceived in the Jewish language, and that's primarily they believe that with the Hebrew language, but they believe that it becomes a living thing once it leaves the speaker's mouth, and it becomes distinct from the person, and it has a life source of its own, but it still represents the person who spoke it. That's why Jesus says every word that we said, we're going to be held accountable for that. It is huge about what we say, guys. So rhema words flow from our lips constantly. Every time you speak, rhema is happening. And something happens in the spirit realm, and it's either good or bad based upon what you are releasing. Now, this helps us to understand what we find at the beginning of the book of John about the word being made flesh. Have you ever started reading the book of John? A lot of people start reading the, ver- the Bible at the very beginning, and it's John chapter 1. You look at John chapter 1, verse 1, and it starts out with the word, the word, the word, the word, flesh. What does that mean? Well, let's take a look at this, because understanding now what rhema means, now we can get a better understanding. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Now that is actually, that's speaking, the word is actually speaking of Jesus because when the, when the angel Gabriel spoke and, when, uh, and when, when Mary came into agreement with that verbally, this was released. But it had already existed at the very, very beginning at creation, before creation. That's John 1.1. 1, 1. Now if you jump down to John 1.14, you see this. Then the word, the word became flesh. That's what happened in the womb of Mary on that day when the angel visited and she said, whatever you say, let it be to me. I am the servant of the Lord. Bam! The word is now made flesh and made his dwelling among us. So since the the Bible is primarily a Jewish book, primarily written by Jewish authors, and mainly uh, was, was received by Jewish minds at the time, we do well to see the scriptures from a Jewish mentality. And the Jewish mentality see this, that when the scriptures are spoken, they take on life of themselves. Here's a good example of this. Have you ever noticed sometimes in Jewish writings, they will, they will have the name God, but they'll leave out the O. They'll just put a little dash in that. Why is that? Is it because they believe that, 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 that with vowels, you breathe out, and they, they believe that it takes God's name in vain. That's just what they believe. They believe that they're taking God's name in vain if they're breathing out and saying God they're breathing it out, and so they, they, they restrict that. So they actually write it a certain way. Isn't that interesting? But that goes back to, say, to, to show you how serious Jewish thought is about what comes out of our mouth takes shape and takes form. And the Jewish belief not only understands that what God says takes form, but what we say takes form. God's word Get this, when it is spoken and when it is confessed, life is released. That's why I like to read God's word out loud. I think you should read it out loud in your home. I think you should be declaring it out loud. Understanding this now, let's go back to Mary's good and proper response to the word of God being delivered to her. Remember, she was a young Jewish girl. She would have, even though she was uneducated, she would have been raised in a culture where she would have had a very good understanding of the word of God, knowing that as it is spoken, life is released, and her words become power. And that's what happened. That's what happened at that moment. 
But guys, it's the same for us today. When that rhema word is released and you speak it out, God has spoken to you, you speak it out. It's the same for you in your home and in your business, in your body, in your church, in your city, in this nation, and for your life. I want us to follow the sequence because I, I want you to understand the sequence because the sequence is the same sequence we must go through continually. You want to have a words that release miracles? Follow the sequence. First of all, Mary heard the word of God. She listened intently to the word of God and it began to resonate in her. Now that's, a, that's actually a, a way to begin to test whether a word is from God or not. I've had people share with me, they say, I have a word from God for you, and, and it doesn't resonate in my spirit. And so I thought, well, that probably wasn't a word from God, and I don't get mad at them or anything. Or say, God, Lord, rebuke you. you know, no, you know, they're, they're trying. It's all right. all right. But sometimes it resonates in me. I feel it. I sense it. And, and I'm like, you know what? God has already put a seed of this in my heart, so it resonates. And you begin to speak it out. Let it be to me, okay? So she heard the word of God, and it resonated with her as life was released. The word of God was released through the angel Gabriel. It came from the throne of God through the angel Gabriel into her heart and into her mind. So a proper response for us also is to hear the word of God to drink it in, not just to let the sound waves come in, but to hear it, let it, let it get into our hearts and, and allow God's word to resonate in you. It happens the same even in this place. You're hearing the word of God. If it begins to resonate in you, you know this is God's word. That's why you should listen intently. I'm, this is why preaching is very important. Now, I, I shared this with you. I just did a series on the, the, the seven letters to the seven churches in Revelation. And, uh, and each one of those, it says, to the angel of this particular church. Now, that didn't mean like a golden figure with wings and swords and standing seven feet tall and, and having beautiful... That, the word angel in its most literal meaning, the most literal meaning of the word angel simply means... Someone who is delivering a message. It means a messenger. So the angels in the book of Revelation, they're speaking about that. Those are the messengers of God. They're basically the pastors of those churches. So please understand, I'm not angelic, okay? Rebecca would tell you that a thousand times over. I am not angelic. She, she sometimes tries to make me feel I am, but I know better. I am not angelic, but understand if I am a messenger of, from God, and there are many messengers from God, then, then that is that same role. The angel of God is speaking to you. See, that's why preaching is important because the angel means God's messenger. God spoke through Gabriel. It wasn't Gabriel's words himself that could do anything. Do you understand? It had to come from the throne of God, but it came from the throne of God through the messenger. And that and when that word was received and resonated in her heart, she began to hear the word, not of Gabriel, the word of God. Today, what I'm giving you is not the word of Tim, but it's the word of God. And if I'm giving you the word of Tim, your spirit will say, no, that's probably not God. And you can do that. Yeah. Okay, let's move to the next one. I'm still not an angel. Okay, I mean, I don't like, I don't do any of that. All right, Mary now received what I would call the rhema word of God because it was spoken. After Gabriel told her what was going to happen, she immediately replied back to Gabriel with these words, I am the Lord's, so look at verse 36. I am the Lord's 
servant. So she was saying, I am submitted to God's will. Again, she didn't say she was submitted to Gabriel's will. She is submitted to God's will. And, and I don't believe that Mary all of a sudden mysteriously understood everything that was about to happen. There's no way. There's no way. <laughs> and poor us. Sometimes we think we have to understand every single little thing that's going to happen when a word of God begins to resonate in our hearts and in our lives. But we need to move past that and say we don't have to always understand it. See, she received this rhema word from God. It was a prophetic word from God, but she received it in gentle, humble faith, saying, I'm simply a servant of the Lord. See, faith doesn't mean you have to understand. Faith doesn't mean you have to figure everything out. Faith is what you can't see. Faith is what you have no evidence of, but it's only a word from God. See, the way God works is usually and typically far outside our abilities to comprehend or understand. That's why we need to receive the word of God like Mary did. Now, take it a step further. Let's go to the next step in the continuum. Now Mary confessed the word of God. She said, may your rhema, your word, may your rhema, verse 36, be fulfilled. That's present tense. That's she was literally confessing the prophetic word of God in the present tense that was speaking. He, he, the, the prophetic word of God, was its future, it was future-oriented. Do you remember me showing that to you? It was future. Something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. She said, let it be. Now, the future was made present. And at that exact moment, I believe that when she verbally, with her rhema, came into agreement with the rhema prophetic word from God through the angel, Mary became pregnant. And in our lives, the word of God declared over our lives and coupled with being declared from our own lips, that's when life is released. Power is released. That's when miracles are released right there. Think about this. She didn't see that child for nine months. And truth be told, any woman who's ever been pregnant, you know it takes a few weeks uh, after conception to actually be sure that you're pregnant, right? I've heard that. So it's the same with us. God releases his fulfillment immediately. But quite often, the answer, the miracle, is put into a womb where it needs to be cultivated, and, it, and, and there's a process there between the moment it is released and the moment you actually see it visibly. Google has messed us up. Because God isn't Google. We go to Google, and in like a, a super-duper millisecond, I don't even know the numbers on it anymore, data is taken from all over this crazy thing called the Internet, and it gives you the answers. You've got it immediately, and you see it with your eyes. Well, God isn't Google. <laughs> the answer is there, but you may not see it until it is actually birthed. For example, you may be praying for, maybe someone has spoken that God has a miracle job for you and that job is, is coming and it is waiting on you. And you say, yes, I'm in agreement, that's it. You're at church and that happens and then tomorrow comes around, it's like, well, nobody gave me a call. And so you get mad and you curse yourself and say, see, I knew I wouldn't get that job. <sighs> that, that crazy person prophesying over me. Ah, 
Okay, what you've actually just done, you've aborted the miracle that was in the womb awaiting its time of birth. That's the danger that we hold. We have to be careful, so, so careful with our words. So confess the word. Let it be rhema coming out of your, your mouth. Believe it and wait. So many of you are in that waiting time right now. And some of you, even before you leave this place, the waiting time is going to begin. Now, move to the next step. Mary obeyed the word of God. So she acted on her faith. The first thing she does, before she can tell anything's going on with her body, she heads out to the hill country to see her cousin. Isn't that interesting that she went out to the hill country? See, that is proof that it all happened right here in Texas. Because she went straight out there to the hill country. And in doing this in my research, you know, it says the hill country of Judea. Well, I thought, I wonder if there's like a Judea in the hill country in Texas. And there is. So I know this. Verse 39 says, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country. That's where Elizabeth lived. She lived in the hill country. So Elizabeth's voice, when, excuse me, when, when, uh, when Mary came in, Elizabeth's baby, John, jumped in her womb at the sound of Mary's voice. Children in the womb hear voices. Catch that? They do. They do. The sound of Mary's voice, John jumped in the womb. And immediately, Elizabeth is now miraculously filled with the Holy Spirit, the third person in the New Testament to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, understand this. Elizabeth knew nothing about this in the natural realm. She knew nothing about that. God revealed it to her at the moment when she was, when that baby left and then she was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's when a prophetic anointing came over her. Mary didn't call ahead. Mary didn't say, I'm coming. Mary didn't send a text. Keep in mind, she lived in the hill country. They don't have reception out there, okay? She arrived and all of a sudden she begins to prophesy God's all over this thing. And there are times where you're going to be intersecting with other people and they're going to stop people who are full of the Holy Spirit and they'll begin to prophesy over you confirming what God has already done. What's Mary's response? Oh, well, let's just wait and see. You know, I can't, I don't know. All these cool things happening, but we'll just have to wait. No, she didn't. (laughs) Mary praised God. That's where Mary's song erupted. Right there in Elizabeth's living room, Mary praised God. She lifted her voice in praise and worship. Praise is an integral part of releasing miracles. Elizabeth, which you're you're actually, I'm preaching about you today. Praise is an integral part of the releasing of miracles. Church, get this. If you're watching online, e-community, praise is an integral part of the release of God's miracles. What do you do between the time that the miracle is spoken, the word is spoken, you come into agreement with it, and the fulfillment, what do you do? You praise. You praise. You praise. Because praise establishes God, the presence of God, in the middle of the situation. Scriptures tell us that, that God enthrones himself. He puts his throne, his seat, like he sits down in the middle of praise and worship. Like words of praise release the miracles, my friends. We continue to use our words after the words have been spoken. It continues that rhema. You're going to keep speaking it. You're going to keep praising. You're going to keep declaring the things that are not as though they are. Here's the sequence again. Five steps. Hear, receive, confess, obey, 
praise, write that down, get that down, get that down. Don't take that off the screens for a while. I want you to see that e-community, write this down, do screenshots of it, whatever you've got to do. Take pictures of that. Hear, receive, confess, obey. I want you to possess a knowledge of the scriptures and possess a power, the power of God. God has spoken, God is speaking. Confirm that it lines up, of course, with the written word of God. And then you hear, receive, confess, obey, and praise. Remember the words from the angel, no rhema, no word from God will ever fail. So what has God been speaking over your life? What has God been saying? What are the scriptures even illuminated to you about who you are and your destiny and what God is about to do in this situation or that situation or the next situation? God's word will not fail, but you gotta catch this central truth. When God speaks, things happen. You know, God has a desire. It is, it is his natural desire. It's his makeup. It's who he is. He has this desire to speak and create. Did you know that? I mean, that's the whole Genesis 1. God speaks. That God, you know, God starts in Genesis 1, uh, verse 3. God speaks, and things are created. Again, that's rhema. The word goes out. It takes on life. Things happen. When Jesus spoke in the New Testament, Jesus is God. Matthew chapter 8, verse, verse 5, the centurion's daughter was healed. Matthew 8, verse 14, Peter's mother-in-law was healed. Matthew 8, verse 23, the storm was called. Matthew 8, chapter, chapter 8, verse 28, demons were driven out. Come on, it's just, that's one chapter in the, in the Bible. Jesus advanced God's kingdom through the spoken word. Now, this is also important because they say, well, yeah, but that's Jesus. Yeah, it is Jesus. Listen to this. Scriptures also tell us that Jesus never used his divine power, which was available to him, but he never used his divine positional power as a son of God while on this earth. Did you know that? He functioned on this earth as a man, but he was full of the Holy Spirit. That's where the power came from. He didn't use the power, the positional power of the Son of God. He used the infilling of the Holy Spirit to do these things on earth, which, which is really, really, really good news to us because then Jesus said that we would do the same things that he did. In fact, we would even do greater things because when he leaves, we get the Holy Spirit. Slam dunk it. You know, there is a creative capacity within you and within me to release miracles. My friend, don't miss that. The same as it was with Jesus. No, you're not divine, but you have divine power. You see, in Genesis chapter 1, God said, God said, let us, the plural, let us make man, how? In our image. The creative capacity is with you. Mark chapter 16, verse 17, it says that believers would lay hands on the sick and cast out demons in the name of Jesus, speaking in the name of Jesus, and it happens. Philippians chapter 2 says in his name. Oh, there's a whole lot of things in Philippians 2 that happen when believers begin to declare the word of God. Miracles happen. Acts chapter 3, we have that same power that Peter had when he walked through the beautiful gate and saw a man who had been lame since birth. And he ra- that, that man was raised up through the power of Jesus as he spoke it over Abraham. Words release miracles. Get it again. Hear, receive, confess, obey, praise, say it. Just say it with me. Hear, receive, confess, obey, praise, e-community. I don't care how weird you feel doing this. 
Say it out loud. Hear, receive, confess, obey, praise. No word from God will ever fail. Today I want to pray. Because God has given you some, in fact, what God has done with this, he's already done this. This is not my doing, this is his doing. He has customized now this message for each one of you. Because each one of you are seeing a different area. You're seeing something specific. You're, you're, you're thinking about something specific. Your heart's all resonating in different ways. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's okay, come into agreement with that. But now what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to begin to t- step out in faith and believe for whatever it is and begin to confess that you have received it, whether it's healing or provision or miracles. That's what God wants to do in this setting. And we're going to pray for that. And then we're going to also ask that the, the power of God will pray, pray over you and pray that the power of God will be released into your situation and into your lives. And then we're going to worship God. We're going to worship God. What do you do? Remember, the last things you're going to do is you're going to praise. You're going to praise, 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 praise until the miracle comes to pass. Do you believe it? Do you believe God's word? You're made in the image of God. Come on, it's time to create through through God's word. We speak it. Ah, this is beautiful. You were talking about the miracle of Christmas. That's the miracle right there. That is the miracle right there. The Christmas story is wrapped up right there in that miracle story, which becomes your miracle. It perpetuates throughout all generations. Let it be in this room and in this place. Will you stand all across this room with me? And I just I want us, we're going to move into a time of, of, of prayer. And, and if there is a specific miracle that you need to see happen in your life, that you're expecting to see. Maybe God has even, you, you've, you need to tap back into something that you feel was God's prophetic word for you. And it may be from a while back. But if that is there, if that is there, I'm going to ask you, to, as, as, as Elizabeth begins to sing, I'm going to ask you to begin to come and fill up this front area and just begin to worship God. Worship God. And then what I'm going to do is I'm just going to have elders and, and pastors come in behind you and just begin to pray over you and just bless you in Jesus' name, get someone to agree with you. We don't have to know exactly what it is, but we're going to pray and agree with you and watch what God begins to do in this place. And we're going to praise. We're going to use our mouth. We're going to use, so you, some of you need to use your mouths to come into agreement with what God has already said. Amen? Amen. Before we do this, if there's anyone in this room or anyone in the e-community and you've not given your life to Jesus Christ, now is the time. The biggest miracle is giving your life to Christ. Would you just pray with me if that's you? Just pray these words. Congregation, pray these words as well as an encouragement to those who are declaring it with their mouths that life is being formed. So, oh, come on. Even, get this, guys. What I preached about is what we're about to ready to do right now because it says when you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, you're safe. You are safe for eternity. It is the same miracle that's about to happen right here, right now. Say it in Jesus' name. Come on, pray these words with me. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Wash me in your precious blood. I give my life to you. I thank you, Jesus, that you are my Savior and you are my Lord. Today I turn from my past and I embrace the future. I embrace the future. I embrace the miracle that you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have you discovered your student whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.